Welcome to Don't Touch That Dial, a classic TV podcast. Did you grow up in the 70s and 80s? Did you rush home from school to watch reruns of The Brady Bunch and The Partridge Family? On each episode of Don't Touch That Dial, three guys who love TV will look back on those days and talk about the shows and stars that made watching television before streaming, DVRs, and even VCRs so special. Welcome to Don't Touch That Dial, a classic TV podcast. And today we have what is a very special episode for us because we will be talking about one of our absolute all-time favorite shows, and that is Happy Days, which made its debut 50 years ago this month. I'm Anthony Steckert. I'm Jody Schwartz. And I'm Keith Valoria. But first, we want to start off with one news item, and that is the passing of the legendary Tommy Smothers. He passed away on December 26th at the age of 86, a little before our time, the, the time of our podcast, as far as the Smothers Brothers Comedy Hour. I think it was called, but it's legendary and very influential. It made big news with censorship and people like Steve Martin, Rob Reiner, and Bob Einstein, who is um, Super Dave and Funkhauser. So it's legendary, and we just wanted to give him a nod. What does anybody have anything they want to say about uh, the Smothers Brothers or Tommy yes. specifically? A couple of things. First, they actually kind of took themselves off the air because of, you know, they were on for three years, the Smothers Brothers Comedy Hour, and they kind of pulled themselves off the air because of censorship and because they were getting so much pressure from the network to not do certain things. And one thing that came up, uh, this is a story that I've heard. I'm not sure if it's true or not, but Tommy Smothers once chided Bill Cosby for not taking a stand on civil rights. And Cosby Cosby was mad at him, apparently, for a couple of years. And as the story goes, Cosby punched Tommy Smothers at the Playboy Mansion at a party. That's a good party. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm sorry to have missed that. (laughs) The only joke of theirs that I really remember is I think the other brother, Dick Smothers, he would like start playing a song and he would go to Tommy, take it away. And Tommy would go, no. (laughs) That's the only joke of theirs I remember. They actually originally wanted to be folk singers and they've decided they were had more talent for comedy than uh, than folk singing. They were probably right. Well, (laughs) he deserves a little send off. He really was influential and legend. Oh, yeah. Yes, Keith. Well, I was going to say something, but you chose Jody to go first. So Anthony always liked Jody best. (laughs) That's the one thing I know about the Smothers Brothers. Mom always did like you best. (laughs) Okay, we are recording this on a Saturday. And what a day, because we've been rocking all week with you. It makes it the perfect day to talk about Happy Days. Let's get through a little bit of history. I think a lot of people think Happy Days was made in response to American Graffiti, and it wasn't. It was actually the pilot. The first pilot of Happy Days was made before American Graffiti. It was called New Family in Town, and I think it was retitled Love in the Happy Days for Love American Style. And it starred Rich, um, Ron Howard, Marion Ross, and Anson Williams playing their characters. Harold Gould played Mr. Cunningham, and it was about the family was the first in the neighborhood to get a TV. It was not picked up. Then American Graffiti came out, and that sparked interest in revival in the 50s, along with Greece. And then ABC said, hey, we have this show that's about the 50s, and it even has the guy in American Graffiti in it, and they they picked it up from there. And so the 50th anniversary is when Happy Days aired for the first time, and I think that was like a year after that Love American style. They put it on Love American style first because that's what ABC used to do with pilots they didn't want. They just put them as a segment on Love American style. That was Yeah, Gary Marshall, 
the creator of Happy Days called Love American Style, where pilots went to die or, <laughs> some, or something like that. Yeah. So, and then so it, it aired on Tuesdays on ABC at eight. Pretty, I think, for its entire run. Entire run, yeah. Which is 11 years, which is pretty amazing. Does anyone know the name of the show that aired on Tuesdays at 8 p.m. before Happy Days? Because Happy Days was a mid-season replacement. I do not. It was it. called New Temperatures Rising. <laughs> and it was some kind of doctor show. I just did a little bit of research on it. Cleavon Little was on it. There were several uh, versions of it. Paul Lynn ended up being on a version of it. Was it a comedy? Yes, it was a comedy. And I, it was like an hour long. And then like, I really don't know the full story, but it was a show. I think it was about a hospital. And then like they completely revamped the, the show. And then they kind of went back to the older format of the show, if I understand it correctly. So. I have to say my earliest memories of television is Happy Days being on at eight o'clock on Tuesdays. Oh, yeah. That's- yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. I was going to ask, do either of you, like, what's your earliest memories? Do you, I, we, do you remember watching from the beginning, Jody? No, here's what, here's, I actually, the first episode I ever saw was Fearless Fonzarelli, which was season three in September of 75, and it's where Fonzie jumps over 14 garbage cans on his motorcycle, which was a record at the time. And um, it's a two-part episode where he jump, he successfully jumps, but then he hurts his knee in the process. And that's the first one I ever watched. And oh, by the way, it was the first appearance of Pat Morita as Arnold. And season three, as we've discussed, was the first season where they permanently had the in front of the live audience with right. the, with the three cameras. So I saw that episode, that that two part episode, and I was you know kind of hooked after that. And then I, some channel had the reruns simultaneously. Channel seven so, showed yeah. them during the day, like eleven. Showed in the them morning. during the day, right? Yes. And so right, then in, I in watched, New York anyway. Yeah, I watched the first two seasons that way. So I had watched several of season three, and then I um, I saw some of the reruns of season one and two, and it went from there. What about you, Keith? I really have no memory of when I started watching it. It seems like I just always watched. Um, so. <laughs> I'm not really sure. It was very early, though. Probably one of the first shows I watched regularly. It's funny that that Jody mentioned Fearless Fonzarelli. I think I was already watching it, but I vividly remember people in school talking about that episode. Probably the cliffhanger probably had something to do with it. And also at the beginning of part two, Fonzie successfully jumps over the cans, crashes into the chicken stand, and he says, am I dead? And I remember a kid in, was I in second or third grade? I remember a kid in school thought thought that was the funniest thing ever. And like all day long, the next day in school, he was saying, am I dead? You were in the second grade by the way it was was in the second grade yeah Yeah. so now by that time they already had the the dolls out i think because i remembered putting fonzie on my evil knievel bike um (laughs) and having like a book set up with as ramps in my living room and doing that so did you add the evil knievel thing was that that thing that you cranked yeah Yeah, i I had that yeah Yeah, everyone had that yeah that was awesome Let's let's backtrack a little bit. As Jody just said, the first two seasons of Happy Days were shot on film. They were very good, like genuinely really good shows. And as Fonzie became popular, single camera, no audience. Right. No audience. Yeah, they were shot on film, single camera, no audience. And Fonzie became very popular. And then they did have they had at least one episode in season two that was filmed in front of a live audience when Fonzie's going to marry the stripper. Yep. Which is it. That, that, that was the only episode. That was the first that was the only one. one. Yeah, that's the only 
only one of season two and the first one that they filmed in front of a live audience yeah. uh, called Fonzie's Getting Married. Same live set. Yes, it was the yeah. old the, the the old Cunningham house layout. And then they had to change. For some reason, they had to change the layout of the house. Gary Marshall had mentioned it was just they couldn't do the live audience and the cameras with the layout of the of the uh, of the old house. Yeah, the way it used yeah. to be. Also, the first two seasons, the theme song, the opening theme song was Rock Around the Clock. Yes. By Bill Haley and the Comets. I only found this out recently. Did you guys know it? That's a different version. Bill yes. Haley re-recorded yeah. it yeah. for Happy Days. I yeah. had no idea. I, I, I had found that out thinking in Gary Marshall's book. Yeah, well, I've been reading yeah. through his book. That's where I, yeah. that's where I, I think, saw I think that's where I found that out when I read his book, that they, they recorded a new version. So what, what do you guys think about like those early episodes, those first two seasons as compared to later seasons? I'll tell you right now, my favorite one of those first three seasons was, it's called The Not Making of a President, when Richie, to impress a girl works for the Adlai Stevenson campaign, but then you know his father is a is a big Republican and supporting Ike, and so now there's tension there. And Richie gives a speech on behalf of Adlai Stevenson, and Fonzie gives the counter argument in favor of Ike, and uh, and, and he says if Ike don't win, the Fonz is going to be mad. <laughs> <laughs> He also says, I like Ike. My bike <laughs> likes Ike. Likes Ike. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Keith? Any episodes from those first two years that stand out? Um, one of my favorites is titled Cunningham Caper, when Herb mm. Edelman plays the robber and Richie's yeah, homesick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and it's kind of like a Home Alone thing where he, you know, tricks him <laughs> into the closet. Um but I really, yeah, that that one was was really funny, and um, he I believe, tar on the steps, you know. <laughs> yeah, the Johnny Fish and the Finns episode that I believe was also in those seasons. Right? Yeah, that's also yeah, a definitely. great episode. That's when no one believes Richie that he knows the guy from the band. Right, they went to summer camp together. Yeah, they went to summer freckles. This, right, and this big band, and everyone wants to see them, and so they need a place to stay, and they stay there. But Richie's not allowed to tell anybody, not even Fonzie. Yeah. That's a plot point. That came up more than once, and we'll actually, I think we'll be talking about that in early February for a certain reason. A little preview for, for our many, many <laughs> listeners. I was going to say, the episode with the burglar, something I never understood. They get him, at the end, they get him locked in the closet, right. and he's hungry, and they're nice enough to give him a slice of pizza under the door. And I'm like, how did they get a slice of pizza under a closet door? That would create a mess. They built the closets higher than I, I mean, yeah, maybe they had maybe in Wisconsin they had really high yeah, uh, closet you know, doors. Wisconsin in the fifties, anything goes yeah. with closets. I mean, I was only relating. You could not do that in my house. You could not get a slice of pizza under a closet door in my house. No, 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 no. Oh. Yeah. My mother lost her mind when the when the pizza left the kitchen. So I mean, can imagine. <laughs> but uh, well, for me, a favorite. I mean, it's my favorite episode of television ever, and that's the Christmas episode. Well, of course, yes, yeah, and um, yeah, the, the ones you guys mentioned. more than once, which they repackaged a couple of times. The Christmas. Yes, we need to talk about that. But I'll also say I read an interview. I not read an interview. I saw an interview with Gary Marshall. The fr- I think the first episode, not the pie, not the Love American style. The actual first episode, it was all about Richie trying to get a date with a girl who would quote go all the way yes and like gary marshall was like at the time they're like we don't know how we're getting away with this but they just wrote it and they they aired it it was you know pretty explicit talk for back then yep in the 70s was it oh, Gloria? um i could also no, it was not gloria i don't know her name she had like blonde hair 
Eileen, that's another one of his girls. Early She's on. only on this episode, mm. but she had this reputation, but the reputation was not accurate. But Richie, he doesn't come out and say it, but he doesn't say, oh, no way. And everyone thinks that they did it. I do remember that. Yes. Yeah. And then at the end, Fonzie's going on a date with her and Richie goes, well, she is a good kisser. And Fonzie's like, oh, great. All this for a kiss. You know, like that kind of, <laughs> that kind of thing. There's also a, a season one episode where they go go to a strip club to see Bubbles McCall take it all off, which, which I can't even say that without laughing. (laughs) (laughs) How about the bachelor party one where, uh, tricks. Yeah. Yeah. Teeny, teeny glances. I I only had 72. The bubble, the Bubbles McCall one, Fonzie sets them up with a guy pockets. Who's going to give them fake IDs and pockets you know he's literally in a, in a trench coat and he's up in Richie's room and he's trying to make the fake IDs and Mrs. C keeps popping in yeah. <laughs> oh and he leaves right? he gets cookies. mad he gets mad yeah well first first she brings in cookies and he's hunt now he's hunched over a table trying to hide the fact that he's making fake IDs and they tell her it's because he has the hiccups and she leaves <laughs> and comes back a minute later and goes boo to try to get help him get rid of the hiccups and that's enough but, for pockets he leaves but right pockets doesn't do the talking isn't there another the guy who does the talking Fonzie and does the Fonzie. talking Fonzie's oh, like Fonzie of course yeah. okay he finishes Potsy's ID but doesn't get to do Richie's because now he's pissed off about Mrs. C and Fonzie's like eh, it's a bad scene here the lady goes boo you know it's <laughs> <laughs> The one line he has is when Richie says, but I don't have an ID yet. And Pocket says, I can't carry the weight of the world on my shoulders. <laughs> does, does Richie go and get Chuck's then? I- well, Chuck had already loaned his draft card to someone else. Oh, that's right. But he uh, they, they hook him up with an ID, but it says he's 21, the ID. He's only trying to pass for 18, but it, it works. In fact, the guy the guy lets Richie in, and then he looks at uh, Potsy's fake ID, which only says he's 18, and like, you know, it's like, hey, wait a minute. Like, he's like, he's questioning that. He asks him what year was he born, and Potsy gives him a year, and the guy doesn't know anybody. He goes, all right, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I believe do I don't man. know I don't know the actor's name, but isn't Pockets played by a guy who's in Goodfellas? Yes, who yes. ends up on a meat hook in Goodfellas? Yes. Yeah, he he's Frankie Carbone in Goodfellas. I forgot the actor's name too. I think his only two credits are <laughs> Happy Days and Goodfellas. No, he's been in a lot of Frank Severo. Frank Frank Severo. Frank yes. Severo. There you go. Okay. Frank Severo. And if you want to know who played Bubbles McCall, it was Barbara Rhodes. There you go. All right. <laughs> with this, but then we're going in so many directions, and it's so hard. This is a topic that's hard for us to control. I know. <laughs> but we did mention briefly Chuck, and there's a lot to say about Chuck because he's he's a legendary character because he just disappeared from the show. Like he <laughs> and never he's only really a few has, episodes to begin with. <laughs> yeah, he never has an interesting moment. Nope. But he was on the first two seasons. Two different actors played him. A third actor, by the way, played him on the Love American style yeah. pilot. And then he was just sort of written out of the show. He was mentioned twice after he, the last episode Chuck was on was the Christmas episode in season yep. two. Then they would re-air the Christmas episode and they would have this wraparound, one where Fonzie's talking to Arnold, one where he's talking to Al that sets up the flashback. And in that, during that discussion, and by, by the way, Fonzie has the same exact discussion. I mean, it's word for word, the same discussion yep. with Arnold as with Al about how the Cunninghams really want them there. First, Arnold's not going to go to the party and then right. Al's not going to go to the party and in both cases Fonzie's going to talk him into it. 
<laughs> yes, it's yeah, and Fonzie never goes. Boy, this is uh, I'm having some deja vu here. <laughs> What's with owners of Arnold? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, uh, and in doing this, Fonzie says, "Oh, that was when Chuck was home." Yeah. So that's the that's officially the last time he was mentioned. And then very famously in the very last episode, Mr. Cunningham refers to their two children. Yep. That officially really wiped Chuck off the map. Yeah. So. And, and, I mean, and throughout after, you know, from season three on, they clearly make it that it's just the two of them, Richie and Joan. Right. And but there is an episode in the first two seasons where somebody is talking to Richie and analyzes that he may have a problem because he's a middle child. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But Keith, you have a very very interesting story about one of the Chucks. I do. Yeah. So um, as we mentioned before, I, I collect autographs and I send, I make, create cards of, you know, some of my favorite TV shows. And I sent a they're card. They're very cool. They're, they're baseball card-like yeah. cards that Keith makes. They're really, really cool. Yeah. So I made a card of the two Chucks together because they were both on a reunion episode. And I wanted to send to both one at a time. So I sent to Gavin O'Hurley was one, Randolph Roberts is the other. I sent to Randolph Roberts first. And I get a call about two weeks later from Randolph Roberts' brother. He had tracked my name down in the phone book, found my number, and he told me that Randolph had died. Um, it wasn't reported anywhere. And if you do Wikipedia, it's still not reported anywhere. Yeah, it still yeah. doesn't say he's dead. This was you know several years ago. And he was telling me all about how he really loved his time on the show. And he had a basketball that was autographed by the entire cast that he got while he was doing the reunion. And he had it in his garage and he asked me if I was interested in it. I was like, <laughs> yes. Um, but, you know, I kind of told them, you know, this is kind of like a museum piece because Laverne and Shirley were also on the basketball. It was the entire cast and, you know, Cindy and wow. Penny Marshall because they were at the reunion too, plus Gary Marshall. Wow. And I, you know, I actually found a them. Fairly valuable basketball. Yes, then. yes. So I got them. Um, I hooked them up with the email of, and phone number of TV memorabilia place that an auction house that would definitely, you know, do more with it than I could have, you know, got I probably could have got it from him, you know, pretty cheap, but you know, I didn't want to screw the guy. So that was um, very nice of you. Did do you know if he ever sold it or anything? I, I don't. I don't. I still have his phone number, so I, I always meant to like give him a call again just to see what had happened to it, but I never. Yeah, did. yeah. That basketball is probably worth more than one signed by LeBron. I mean, that's that's. <laughs> oh, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> there are lots of basketballs signed by LeBron. There are many that are signed yeah, yeah. by yeah. Tom Bosley and, and Eddie Mecca. Yeah. I mean, and why? Why the? I think he can get more from that than one signed by Bill Russell. I mean, this yes, is pretty. Yes. <laughs> so the ball is actually pictured in the card, like the two Chucks in the picture that I sent. Wow. Are holding the basketball. So. Oh, so is that of, what did that sort yes. of like jog the brother's memory? I didn't exactly, know that. Part. Exactly. And it was just in the pretty it cool. Was in, it was in his garage. Wow. So he said he I remember the, the reunion special you're talking about when they were holding the basketball. Yeah. And that is not our only encounter with people who have been on Happy Days. I think we should let we should also let Keith tell this story. I'll set it up. Many, uh, quite a few years ago now, we saw Gabe Kaplan. 2001. Wow. Yeah. We saw Gabe. Wow, it's 22 years ago. We saw Gabe Kaplan do his one-man Groucho show at, I believe, the Huntington Townhouse in yeah. Huntington, Long Island. In the cast was Misty Rowe, who played the waitress Wendy in the first couple of seasons of Happy Days. I'll, I'll let Keith take it from there. First off, can it be a one-man show if there's other people in it? Oh, did I say one-man show? <laughs> no, it's not a one-man show. I guess it was, it was a three-person three show. It was Gabe Kaplan and Misty Rowe and whoever was playing Chico. It was Robert a three-hand. I think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <didn't> <laughs> um, so 
I think Harrison to- Ford played Chico <laughs> in that yeah. uh, production. I went up to Misty and I said, what would you say if I said you're the ginchiest? <laughs> and she knew. She knew exactly what it was for those of you who don't, uh, especially our younger listeners. One of the, the, the Christmas episode for Happy Days, Fonzie gave everybody a little present, a little, I guess, locket. And it said, you're the ginchiest on it. And yes, yeah, she knew it. And then she came back with one of the greatest lines ever. Anthony, why don't you tell us what that line is? Uh, yeah, Keith should tell this. I, I'm sorry, Jody should tell this because I don't I don't remember it as well as Jody does. Well, first of all, she knew she knew the year of the, that the episode. Aired. Yes, yes. And she, she she said, yes, the episode, you know, Henry Winkler, 1974. Like she knew she knew the year and then she said to us you guys watch a lot of tv that's great <laughs> and anthony actually said to her i don't know how great that is <laughs> and then she said something about someday you guys will be doing a podcast yes yes she mentioned that too. i met henry winkler at a book signing in huntington many years ago i'm not going to get into it it's actually a little personal for me but i did get to say something to him that just essentially something about what fonzie meant to me in the show he seemed very appreciative of it and he was signing copies of his kids books and i told him how i was going to read my daughter at the time was probably four or five and i said oh i'm going to read this to my daughter and he looked at me in the eye and went really and i <laughs> yeah 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 really yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah Keith, you to... have a couple of winkler stories yeah i got to meet him twice once at charity at a school, which was pretty cool. And I got to see him ahead of time and he autographed a couple of things for me and my family was with me. And I asked him to autograph, again, it was for the children's book, the book to my daughter. And I asked him to put, you're the gitchiest. You know, sadly, he really didn't know what that meant. So I had to kind of explain it to him and I had to, you know, spell gitchiest for him. But yeah, I, I feel Now like I know I'm writing on Keith's birthday card. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then just recently, a couple of months ago, you know, I got to meet him during his book signing. I don't even know what it may have been last month. You know, and again, got to, you know, had a quick talk with him and always great to meet, you know, one of your, your heroes. Yeah. It's funny what they don't remember because I saw um, like he doesn't remember you're the ginchiest. Misty Rowe remembers when it aired, but I saw an interview with Gary Marshall. <laughs> she might not by now. <laughs> <laughs> but I saw an interview with Gary Marshall in preparing for this, and I'm pretty sure he said that Erin Moran was in the Love American style uh, pilot, and yeah. she wasn't. So it's yeah. funny what these the people who were there, what they remember. And speaking of that, I I hate to disagree with Henry Winkler on something, <laughs> but I'm bringing something up. This is very important to me. <laughs> so so uh, Henry We're Winkler listening. has a new book called, I believe it's called Being Henry. Yes. Yep. And it's a good book. It's a, anybody who's a fan should read it. it. It's interesting. You learn a lot about him. It's a very easy read. Quick great read. for a train yes. ride or an airplane or something like that. And he talks about the Christmas episode, which again, that's my favorite episode of television ever. And, and it's a perfect episode. And the episode, for anybody who doesn't know, Fonzie doesn't have a place to stay. The Cunninghams convince him to spend Christmas with them. It's a very touching episode. It's really, it's funny and it's sweet. It, it's just perfect. And at the end, they're sitting down to dinner and they're going to say the pre-dinner prayer and Mr. Cunningham goes, oh, I thought Fonzie would, would do this. And Fonzie says, hey, God, thanks. And that's how it ends. And it's perfect. And Winkler in his book says he wanted Fonzie to not say thanks, but to say, whoa. And he's it, this still bothers him to this day. Like he writes in the book how he wishes he had been more assertive about that. And I'm sorry, Mr. Winkler, you're wrong. 
<laughs> so now, could it be though that you've seen the episode you know, hundreds of times? <laughs> oh, great, Jody! Great reference there. And it's just so it's had it. He said, "Well, maybe you would have." felt it was great. That's definitely possible, but I do think whoa makes that moment too much about a Fonzie catchphrase yeah. than the actual moment. Yeah. So, but you, absolutely, you could you, if it had gone the other way, if if Winkler had gotten his way, and then some writer wrote, you know, oh, I wanted him to say thanks. Winkler right. also says in the book that they wanted him to say thank you, which is a big difference from thanks. Keep in mind, too, this was season one. Whoa wasn't a catchphrase yet. It wasn't, yeah, that, you know, yeah, that's something else. Season two, actually. Yeah, well, season, yeah, I mean, it was early in the run, you yeah. know, and Fonzie was not yet the major character he would become. He really didn't have catchphrases yet. Yeah, I, I wondered that, too, that he he yeah. was definitely growing in popularity. Yeah. And for people who maybe don't remember, Fonzie was a sensation. I, I mean, yeah. they, they, oh, really without, were like, yeah. they were yeah. like the Beatles. It, they, yeah. they, they would have events and there were huge crowds there. And Fonzie was just all of they were Fonzie shirts. Like Keith yeah. said, Fonzie dolls. It, oh, it, I, I had a T-shirt. No, no, no question. Yeah. And yeah. when when they did it in front of the studio audience, the reaction of the studio audience when he came on for the first time, they were, you know, they had to wait for the applause to die down to do the first line because it yeah, was always yeah. there was always a huge ovation when he stepped onto the set. And in the first two episodes, he was kind of a minor character. First two, first two seasons, rather kind of a minor character and almost he wasn't like part of this gang he was almost like a mystery to them and the, one of the things we would talk about is he used to wear a, a windbreaker before the before the leather jacket and the network was uneasy with uh the leather jacket they felt it was associated with crime. Gary Marshall felt otherwise. He only wore the leather jacket with the motorcycle because Gary Marshall told them it's motorcycle safety equipment. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's how he that's how he sold the leather jacket to them. So there are scenes in the first two seasons where he's just randomly sitting on the motorcycle because they yeah. wouldn't let him wear the jacket without the motorcycle. Did he have the jacket for the Christmas episode? I thought he um, did. Yes, he definitely. Did. He did. They were able to get it in at times. Okay. Like yeah. Gary Marshall was able to get it in at times. He he actually said there were times where they, you know, where you know they didn't maybe they didn't notice, but but when they finally let him wear the jacket full time, he <laughs> the way Gary Marshall explains it is he threw away the windbreaker in case they changed their minds. <laughs> now, do you yeah, think but, this was the episode, the Christmas one, was that made Fonzie that popular and brought him to the next level because more people may have watched at this time? It could have been, could and be. he was he was definitely popular and building. Like uh, he and Don Most were not in the opening credits in the first season. Yeah. And then and then Winkler and most were added to the credits. Season three, Winkler was moved to number to the second in the credits yeah. after Ron Howard. So he definitely was growing in popularity and they changed the dynamics of the show. They were there was people wanted to change the name of the show to Fonzie's Happy Days. Fonzie's Happy Days. Yeah. Yeah. And he said no to that. And it caused some tension with Ron Howard. But I don't think Ron Howard ever blamed Winkler from everything I've read. It, it was just yeah. more tension between Ron Howard and the network. And that was really the network they wanted to capitalize on Fonzie as much as they possibly could. Yeah. We're a little low on time. Should we kind of cut it here and pick up on part two of happy, more happy days? Absolutely. Yes. We should call the second episode happy days again, (laughs) which is what they titled happy days reruns in, uh, in syndication, which I, I didn't understand, but we could talk about a little more in part two. Just a little teaser, some pinky Tuscadero talk on the next one. (laughs) All right. Maybe maybe some Booker Brown as well. (laughs) Oh yeah. Oh, we have to mention Booker Brown. Oh my God. We might need to <laughs> Everyone do Everyone who's eight cool episodes. knows Booker Brown. <laughs> <laughs>
Thanks for listening, everyone. Stay tuned for part two. Thanks for listening to Don't Touch That Dial, a classic TV podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe. Please leave a review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen. We'll be back soon with another journey back in time to the days of static, laugh tracks, and seven channels.